What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. This is your host, Donnie Joseph, and today you have a special guest appearance, even though at this point, Austin's basically a co-host at this point. Austin Barrick um, is on a No Pope podcast now, Citrus TV. Very happy for him, very excited for what he's going to do in the future in terms of sports broadcasting. He's working super hard down at Syracuse, so I wish I could be there alongside him, but... In the interim, I have zooming in for the podcast this week. Today, we talk about the Ime Udoka scandal, our thoughts on that, giving our opinions and whatnot. And then we get into the NBA rank top 100 players that ESPN dropped over the last week. We gave our thoughts on individual players who we thought were maybe ranked a little too low, a little too high. We also get into the top 10 and how close that race really is once you start getting into Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Jason Tatum, the rankings, how controversial it is to have LeBron KD outside of the top five, but is it really that controversial when you look at the guys in the top five and obviously Giannis is number one spot. You guys know my opinion on that. He's the best player in the NBA, but it was a great podcast. I had fun. It's always good having someone else on the show. Austin knows his stuff about basketball and the NBA at large, so it was a great pod. I hope you guys enjoy, and yeah, cue that music. guys what's going on today we have austin you guys already know who it is <laughs> friend of the show great guy right here austin how's it going doing well to honey it's it's nice to be in syracuse with uh with a 4-0 football team that hopefully will be receiving more votes if not ranked uh in a few hours here but yeah i'm i'm happy to be talking about the nba maybe not the first thing we're gonna be talking about unfortunately but the season's coming up pretty soon and uh yeah i'm happy to be here with you yeah, 4-0, and, oh, and I'm not there to witness it. That sucks, honestly. And, you know, they might they might be ranked. They got a, This isn't a football podcast, but a few more. Yeah, Wagner coming up next, and then NC State, who's 12th, if I'm not mistaken. So, yes. you know, they, they have a chance to, to get in that top 25 after those few weeks. And then, of course, Clemson, which, you know, the pipe dream to beat them. But if we do, hey, that – that'll legitimize our season for sure yeah that'd be a, a dream season right there i know those two teams just mentioned play each other this upcoming saturday game day will be there for that one there's been a lot of talk around campus here yeah. about will game day come here for the nc state game so i think it's in syracuse's best interest to root for nc state this coming saturday against clemson so both teams will have a better shot of being undefeated entering that matchup on october 15th and if game day comes to Syracuse, Dahani will also be going to Syracuse. I, wow. Dahani will that. take the flight to Hancock International take, Airport. Take the wow. flight. Take the flight. Make my way down there, man, because that is that's a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, especially for Syracuse football that hasn't been great in the last couple of years. But football aside, to make a football podcast. But 
We get into the NBA. Um, Ime Udoka. Ime Udoka, that situation with Celtics. It's it's unfortunate how, how it all transpired, how it all went down. Um, what do you think about just from the standpoint of like the team, right? Coming off a championship, oh, no, championship run, excuse me, going to the finals, not championship. Um, just the off season that they had in terms of the acquisitions, there was so fun from Malcolm Brogdon. Obviously, Daniel Gallinari had the torn ACL. But even so, I think Celtics fans were pretty optimistic coming into the season that it would be a very strong year, contending in the East, potentially going all the way again, because they had the blueprint. We understood what we had to do. Um, that second half run was not a fluke. We saw we got to the finals, and it was only a matter of time before everything really started to click. And the beginning of the season was that point for us to take off. But then it may happen. Austin's just like, what do you got for me? What's going on? Yeah, so I think it's the story is going to become a, you remember where you were when the initial news was broken. Yeah. And the initial news from Woj was the vaguest thing I've ever read, right? It was like, wait, what's going on? He did something that broke the team's like code of violations or whatever. And uh, so I saw something that's like either he skipped the flight or he killed somebody and anything in between. Right. There's no we have no idea what could happen. And then about two hours later, Shams tweets out that he had an improper and consensual relationship with a female staff member. So at that point, you're like, hmm, okay. That's probably not great, but like if it's consensual, then there should be no issue, right? Unless it's one of those things where it's like a superiority inferiority complex of, you know, he's a higher ranking member of the team, then that can be a little dicey. And so then at that point, people were firing off the memes, right? And people were making jokes about it. And even worse, as I know we can mention here, the speculation of, oh, who, who did it with them? Like, oh, what's yeah. going on? There's a lot of, I think that's a thing where you could have internal speculation, but having public speculation is something you should not be going into. That that's something that you got you got to keep to your, yourself. You cannot cannot go public with speculation when it has the you know implications like that. So I'm sure we're going to get to the rest of the, this developing story because it's truly been a developing story with each piece of news being worse than the previous piece of news. So Dahani, I mean. It, it's it's just gotten worse from here and as we sit here on sunday it's it's in a bad spot yeah the the weird thing for me was the consensual relationship part i was really confused in terms of like okay i understand like team policy and all that stuff and the weird thing is like it was a one-year suspension it wasn't like he was getting fired what the thing was like a lot of the criticism of this entire thing um i i saw like nba today first take they were talking a lot about that and you know if it wasn't a consensual relationship fire him you know he's not getting a job in the nba because there's no place for that but because it was consensual i think that you know fine him maybe maybe give him a fine don't suspend him because like what what is that doing really like uh, a slap on the wrist with a fine is going to be way better not only for your team but just like in general because you know he didn't like like you said like kill someone or like do something else like it's not like a, a crazy like violation of the rules but again I'm not in the locker room I'm not in the organization to know what exactly happened um 
the New York Post, I think they were the first to report, I, I might be getting my sources wrong, but that Ime had made some unsolicited um, comments to the to the woman, unwarranted comments. And I think that, like you said, the news keeps coming out and it makes things look worse and worse. Um, that changes the whole story if it turned from consensual or unwarranted to consensual, whatever it may be. I think that's really what started to turn the wheels in terms of, oh, he's getting suspended. And maybe there's more we don't know. I think that's the big thing. There's probably a lot we don't know that the Celtics are withholding for personal reasons or whatever it may be. But, you know, this might ongo this ongoing story might continue for next week or so because it, it's big. It's, it's a big deal, especially for a team that was looking to they, – they were Vegas favorites to win a championship coming into the season. So this is a big roadblock for them. Yeah, there's a lot of things to unpack with with this story. One of them being the details I think we got on, I want to say Friday, which was that there had been an, an internal investigation that was conducted from an independent, um, you know, like third party, I believe. Yeah, we learned that on Friday. So since July, might I add, since July, there, there had been this or like people within the organization started to know about this relationship in July and there had been an investigation with this and then you know Stephen A comes out kind of defends Udoka um, and then more information comes out after that where it's like okay this was more than just you know an improper consensual relationship and so Matt Barnes had a video that I watched the whole thing and uh, the second one where he like apologized for what he said earlier because he said that somebody who knew the story told him the story and that after hearing the story, what actually happened, which also, unless this guy is like this source he has is really in tune with what's going on. How did he get the story? But that's a whole another sort of speculation thing. Like if Matt Barnes actually knew what happened and it's true, what he heard is, is what is what happened. Then, then the full year suspension might, might not be enough. Right. And mm -hmm. so, I know there's this fine line between, okay, why did you, what could he have done that deserved the full year suspension? Because when it was first like, oh, he, you know, he just had a, a consensual relationship. Is that really worth a full year? Like, as you said, Dehani, maybe a fine, maybe suspend him for like 10 games, 20 games, the all-star break, but to, to suspend him the full season, but also not to fire him. Like what could be bad enough for a full season, but not bad enough to fire him. And I think that's the point where it's like, okay, if you fire him, then the fans and the public and the media will demand to know exactly what happened. You can't just fire someone and not know and not have the public know what happened. So I think that's why it's a full year suspension. And then if, and so now they're going to have months, weeks, whatever to discuss, you know, Wick, Brad, the upper brass will have time to discuss what happens after that because i know in their press conference they mentioned they will not speak on that matter right now they've not thought about that matter right now but you know in the coming weeks and months they will when there's more information or whatever they can decide on udoka's future after this season yeah and like you said this investigation started in july um props to the Celtics organization for not like leaking anything or having this come out too soon, especially during like free agency, that definitely probably would have shifted um some things that happened in terms of signings or trades or whatever, just because people don't like controversy and speculation when it comes to teams. If you're trying to go there, 
that's just a bad look. And let's just talk about this from a team perspective. Um, for a team that's just coming off a finals appearance, not having your head coach that helped you get there just shifted the the feel of the team automatically. Like you know my stance. Like before that Knicks game, or right when that Knicks game happened, where RJ Barrett hit the game winner, I was thinking we're going to meet a lottery team. But Ime, along with Jason, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and the rest of the crew, they came together. They figured out the winning formula. Defense was at the utmost of importance. And at the end of the day, what it comes down to is that we're, they're going to miss Ime Udoka. Like they're going to miss him. I know we have the new assistant coach coming in as interim head coach. Um, I forget how to pronounce his name again. Uh, Joe. I think it's Missoula. Joe Missoula, yeah. So he'll he'll be the head coach. Losing Will Hardy to the Utah Jazz might become a bigger story than people realize because um, he was in that organization. He was with Ime. And Joe, like, he's going to have to prove himself. He's going to have to prove himself um, as a – legitimate NBA head coach, a coach of a potential final team. This is what the Celtics are with or without Ime, but just losing out on Ime, it's a big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. I, I totally agree. From, from a team standpoint, this, this is a big blow for the Celtics team that I thought really took the personality of Ime in that second half turnaround. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really too bad. Like if you remove yourself from, you know, like they're really serious situation with with the women involved or the woman involved. We, I guess we still don't really know that aspect of it. But from a team standpoint, this sucks because this is a guy that we all believed in strongly. We felt a connection to. It's a guy that the team loved, the players loved the accountability. And just a hard-nosed guy. I remember reading that Jackie McMullen story on The Ringer about, you know, how he's like, run over by a truck as a kid, you know, he's got that scar on his head and how when he was a role player, his different stops in the league as a player, even the veterans and the star players respected him because of the tone and intensity he brought in that I'm not going to back down to anybody mentality. So it really, it's unfortunate from that point. And I know Brad gave his full confidence into an interim coach. I'm going to go with interim coach Joe. Um, yeah. But um, that was interesting too. I, he, he, sorry yeah. to cut you off. He, he was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna step in as coach again." Was I thought um that was interesting. Brad Stevens decided he wasn't gonna go back to coaching, which, by all accounts, I think Celtics fans they they enjoyed the Brad Stevens era. I think that's safe to say. And with email, I don't know, Dahani. I mean, I know where you want to. I I I I think that Brad is. is Brad doesn't want to coach this team like he's 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 content with with running, you know, the general manager position. I think going back as a coach would kind of signal like a break glass in case of emergency. I guess this is an emergency, but like, you yeah. it would it would really signal kind of chaos to me within the organization if Brad thrusts himself back as the coach and like kind of leapfrogs all the assistants who were, you know, on the court with the team last season, I think that would be like, oh, so you don't believe in any of us? And yeah, so he, he did. Whether you think it, whether you think Brad truly believes in in Coach Joe or not, I think you know it was a smart move to put his faith in him publicly. Um, now I don't believe he has 
head, he doesn't have head coaching experience at the NBA level, right? But you know, he he coached the then main Red Claws. He coached the summer league team last year in 2021. Um, so he's got some experience, but obviously, I don't expect things to be as as good as they were with Udoka as the head coach. Yeah, um, coaching is super important in the NBA. We all know that, but it's about the players. It's about the players at the end of the day. And NBA Rank has released their top 100 players. See what I did there with transition? That was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so me and Austin have looked at the top 100 of ESPN's predictions or analysts and whatnot, predictions of who will impact their team the most in the 2022-2023 season. So it was broken down from 100. Let me get the, the number right. 100 to 26. 25 to 11, 10 to 6, 5 to 1. So I'm going to go first and just name some quick. I'll, I'll go in the 100s to around 25 in terms of people that I have issue with where they're listed. And Austin, you can chime in whenever you want. And then you can give me people that you have an issue with. All right? Sure. All right. So number 91, Anthony Simons. Yeah, he is a guy that is behind Mike Conley and his own teammate Yusuf Nurkic, and I, I think that's odd because last season he took a leap, seventeen points on forty-one percent shooting as the lead guard with Dame out. Dame's going to return, but I still think he'll have ample scoring opportunities because that team kind of, they, I mean, they got Jeremy Grant in the off season. They have some scoring here and there, but at that two guard position, or even if you plays um, some off the bench minutes, depending on the, the rosters they want to check out. Simon's going to have a lot of opportunities to score, a lot of opportunities to handle the ball in certain lineups and be a key producer for this team. I, I think 91 might be a little too low. I agree to honey, you know, obviously our friend Colin Bach was upset with this ranking. It's also a byproduct of how talented the NBA is where you can have a guy who, average what in the month of january they had this note where he averaged 23.1 points and 6.7 assists he averaged 17.3 for the season and he's a microwave scorer he's one of those guys who can come in and just get buckets and that's kind of the mo as a guard in portland obviously dame was out last year but he he still carried his water right he carried his water and mm -hmm. some so 91 is is does feel too low I think we expect him to make another jump this season. Um, but for a guy who averages that much and who is that prolific as a scorer and also kind of as, as a playmaker, it's it does seem too low. Yeah. Another player that's too low, Ben Simmons. Uh, I know I, <laughs> I'm higher on Ben Simmons than a lot of people, a lot of people. But number 76, you got people like Harrison Barnes, OG Ananobi. Julius Randle, all nice players, all, all not all nice players, but that's that's crazy to me that Ben Simmons is number seventy six, considering he he has is a, is a year to prove himself, right? You know that he's my defensive player of the year candidate. I think that in the Brooklyn system, it is the perfect situation for him because he has shooters all around him. He has the ability to he can be the lead guard, but also no, you do not have to take a single shot except layups and dunks and we will be okay with that you don't need to do anything off the dribble 
just do handoffs, pick and rolls, whatever you want to do with Kyrie and KD. Play amazing defense. I feel like his impact is going to be way higher than what they have him ranked right now. Well, what's funny to hide about all the players you mentioned around him is that those players played basketball last season. <laughs> That's right? a good point. <laughs> it's, it's tough to rank a guy who sat out a whole season. I know we might get to Kawhi Leonard later in the show here. Ben Simmons is a guy who, if you, if you are, if what you laid out, I know, Tahani, you're one of the big Ben Simmons believers. If you think he's going to be in a perfect system, he's not going to have to take a lot of shots because of all the talent around him. He's going to be able to play defense and be an elite level defender. Then, sure, 76 is way, way too low. But these guys around them at least are pretty good fixtures for their organizations, right? Anobi and Anobi, excuse me, Dylan Brooks. These are, these are, these are starters or winning players on, you know, on winning teams. So Ben Simmons, the, ter- the, the term winner, I do not associate with him. He can change that narrative this season. Um, but 76, I honestly feel like is a, is a fair ranking, is a fair ranking for a guy, especially because there's so many talented players in this league. If you're not, if, if, if you make a drop or if you're not playing, you will, you'll, will move way down in the rankings on, on this top 100 list because there's just so many guys who improve because the nature of this game is if you're under the age of like 28, you shouldn't be improving every season, right? So mm. Simmons losing that prime year is is tough. You can regain that and then some, but 76, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I think this is his twenty year 27 age 27 season sorry not yet 27 age 27 season coming up and one thing that he has um over Harrison Barnes OG I know people like that um Ben Simmons all-star and all NBA defender and DPOY is looking very bright in his future and just side note funny that he's number 76 and the city of Philadelphia and the 76ers have uh not not so good feeling to him for lack of a better word, but you know it, it yeah. is. Um, number yes. fifty nine, Tyrese Halliburton. This one's interesting because I think that Tyrese is going to see. Here's the thing: like he's not on a good team, he's on the Pacers, and he's going to get a lot of shots. But I also think he's going to be one of the best facilitators in the league. Um, I think he's one of the better young guards. If you put, if you have a list of like guys like Darius Garland, Tyrese Maxey. Lamelo, Cade Cunningham, Tyrese is somewhere in that mix just because he's a amazing playmaker, great shooter despite the the funky jump shot form. But I think that Tyrese is gonna be close to double digit assists this year, maybe even average a double double because he's gonna get the opportunity to score. I think that definitely he should be higher on this list. But again, it's tough because you know he's young, he's on a team that might not contribute so much to winning. But then you have guys like. Nikola Vucevic at number 57. I don't think that Vucevic is going to produce more, be a better player than Halliburton this season. No way. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough to rank these guys, you know, just straight up positionless. And I know you mentioned those other guards, young guards, Maxi, uh, Garland, LaMelo, and I think Cade. And all those guys are ranked higher than him on this list. Again, it's, you can't, you can't, it's, it's like the old, you know, Bill's, Simmons, Ryan Russell thing. They're they're top twenty, top five guys, right? It's, yeah. It's like you, you, if you 
whatever, you know, it's like Professor Fote, our BDJ professor says, like, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to another thing. Every time you rank one guy in the top five, you're not ranking someone else in the top five. So it, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do here. But I agree. I, I think we all like him. He's going to do well in this Indiana team, whether they win or not. I know they aren't projected to win many games in a, in a tough piece of garbage. It's really a tough overall league. If you look at it, there's only a handful of truly not very good teams in the league right now. He's a cerebral player, and I love that. I love guys with instincts who are able to read passes, almost like a free safety. A uh, guy like what what the Kyle Hamilton truthers at Notre Dame really liked, a little NFL comp for you. But yeah. Al Burnett's guy who I love. He's a smooth handle, great passer, great instincts. And a guy at 83 who I feel like is not a cerebral player and doesn't particularly do anything very well or exceptional is Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. What does he do well? I know he's a guy that's kind of always in trade rumors, but know there's a reason i think the celtics were were interested or rumored to to, you know be a be a trade asset i believe when we got fournier last season at the trade deadline so he's a guy that that was in denver and and was supposed to kind of be that that what third option this past season with how many guys were out for them yeah i know this is a forecasting list and i i like the argument where it's like okay you bring over kcp and you think murray and Michael Porter Jr. are going to come back. He's going to have a smaller role that'll be better for him where he doesn't have to be the primary defender all the time. And he's able to, you know, do his dunks and his back doors and, you know, rebound six, seven times a game. So I think that aspect is good, but there's guys who I like better than him. And then also at, 80, at 82, Paul Bencaro, that's way, way too low. I know he's a rookie, Don. I know he's a rookie, but we talked about him. I don't know at some point this summer with the, with the uh, summer league overreactions, but Ben Caro's a guy who will be top 60 or top 50 this time next year. If not, I believe the ceiling could be top 25 because we see a guy like, we see a guy like Cade who's at what 35 right now. And I entering his, this is Cade's second season, correct? Uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. And I think Ben Caro can be better than Cade. So Top 25, I think, is realistic for Ben Carroll um, a year from now. Definitely better than a guy like Karis LeVert. No, no offense to Karis LeVert. But, yeah, just some stray thoughts there as we make our way towards the top 50. Yeah, wow. Um, Paolo, I'm high on Paolo. Number one pick for a reason. Even though he played in limited summer league minutes, um, he was a guy that he, he looked like a veteran. He, he played like a veteran. He has all the requisite skills, big frame, 6'10", um, can, needs to improve on the defensive end, but he's had moments. Um, yeah, he definitely should be higher than certain people on this list for sure. But again, he's a rookie. Projection is limited considering we've only seen a few games. But right. at the end of the day, um, top 25 is is a very bold prediction. I think Cade is, what, 30 on this list, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere around there. Um, I believe he's 35th. 35th? Okay. Double check that real quick. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 35th. Um, and similar situations from the standpoint that Paolo's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Obviously, he's not a point guard, but he'll be the n- number one go-to option on his team, just like how Cade was. So it'll be interesting to see that um, unfold. For me, I have two more in the top from 126. Darius Garland. Um I am a huge Darius Garland fan. I'm always posting his clips on Instagram because 
I think yes, he's yes, you are. That can come in Kyrie Irving. So smooth. He's so smooth. Man, he reminds me of New York point guards, and I love it so much. I think he's shifty. He's a shifty ball handler, a creative playmaker, a guy that can create shots off the dribble for himself, which is a key skill in today's NBA. The reason why I have him on this list is because there is a player that is young, a young point guard who is above him. And I do not think at this stage in their careers that this player is better than Darius Garland. And that is LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball at this stage in his career is not better than Darius Garland. Darius Garland's an all-star, by all accounts, is a great leader. He has an amazing head on his shoulders. LaMelo Ball, he is still young. He is still developing. At some point, I think LaMelo Ball will overtake Darius Garland solely because LaMelo is, what, 6'7 at point guard. He, he just has vision that Darius Garland can't have solely because, you know, Darius Garland's 6'1, 6'2, and the defensive um, impact will surely be limited for Garland throughout his career. LaMelo, it's all about effort for him. He has the intangibles. He has the, the length, the wingspan, all of that. But for him to be higher than Darius Garland, who made an all-star team, who led his team to the playoffs, who could have been higher if the injury to Jared Allen didn't happen. He could have been a top-four seed. I think it's ridiculous that LaMelo Ball is ahead of him, and that's solely a popularity pick because Darius Garland is the better player right now. It's a strong take. Um, I looked it up here. So LaMelo is, in fact, a year and a half younger than Garland. They're 21 and 22 years of age, respectively. I think you're right, though. I think Lamel is a flashier guy. Not to say that Garland isn't a flashy guy, but he also has some qualities of like, hey, I got this. I'm a steady presence. I can get us involved in these sets here. I can bail us out when we need to. And they won. They won. A, they won. A, you know, a few more games more than Charlotte, and we expected. Obviously, the disparity between Cleveland and Charlotte should be pretty immense this season, as each team took where you know directions point completely opposite directions with this season uh this offseason with those two franchises so garland's a strong pick it's again it's tough you know 48 or 49 or whatever right on that shake out gilgis alexander range again way too low for him i know he's kind of just rotting away there in oklahoma city my guy presti let's let's figure something out for him um i know it's not going to be good with with chet missing the, the season and they're winning um I don't even want to say they're winning hopes because I know they were also trying to tank, but hopefully Gilch Alexander gets, gets, you know, more positive light on him besides the guy from like, uh, like Colin Bach, but yeah, Garland. Yeah. I think more winning he does this season, he should be brought into that top 40 range. It's tough. He's probably not going to be an all-star because right? LaMelo was LaMelo an all-star or, or was he just like in, in the all-star games festivities? Because no, I, I'm thinking he was an all-star. Let me double check that, but I'm pretty sure he got voted in as an all-star. Check basketball reference. Yep, all star, one time all star. Interesting. Yeah. So, which makes sense. Super popular. Yes. The the perceptions of these guys are are definitely different. I don't want to say that Lamelo doesn't have a good head on his shoulders, uh, but Garland Garland is a guy that you know I I I can puff puff my chest out and say that is a point guard that you would like to have on your team. He's young and he's ascending and he's good. I'm, I'm glad that both of those guys were ranked higher than Jordan Poole, who at 55 is too high. Robert Williams at 58 is better than him. Hal Burton is better than Jordan Poole. DeAndre Ayton at 51 would fall for, from grace for him. I know he was like a consensus top 35 guy, if not top 30 guy after last 
last year's finals run. Unfairly, um, unfairly brought down because I, I think a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with him being unplayable in that last game against the Mavericks in the playoffs, which wasn't his fault, by the way. He just it was a product of Monty Williams trying not to play him because the the spacing that Luka Doncic and that whole Mavericks organization brought um along with them. Um, DeAndre Ayton, he's back in Phoenix now. He has a chance to put up All Star numbers once again, or All Star caliber numbers. You're probably not going to get the All Star nod just because the way the West is set up. But DeAndre Ayton definitely should be a bit higher. I got one more for you in my um 126. Chris Middleton. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Chris Middleton guy. Um, he is very underrated, very very underrated in the NBA. Maybe because he has Giannis as a teammate, but I think that Chris Middleton's guy that can do anything you want on the court from a three position like you really can't ask more he's a great shooter um score clutch score mind you um look back to the brooklyn nets milwaukee bucks um seven game series um middleton was the guy that iced the game in overtime for the milwaukee bucks and that ultimately got them to the conference finals and in the finals and you know what happened from there chris middleton is a all-star caliber forward is someone that you would want to have your want to have on your team in crunch time and having him under Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram, guys that I, I like, but no, you're you're not taking those guys over Middleton. I can go as far as to say he should be right at 26 or 27 in that Zach Levine Drew Holiday range, because that's how important he is to the Milwaukee franchise. Yeah, it's it's it gets into phil- philosophical thing there because would you rather have the two or the three on a team versus guys who are or ones like Brendan Ingram, and I put down Milton versus DeRozan. That's that's you know one of those you know DeRozan you know shot. Those are two shot makers, obviously yeah. Middleton and and DeRozan made game winners. This season. I don't want to discount what DeRozan is capable capable that's, of. It's close. It's close. But we saw the impact from going from Middleton to Grayson Allen in that Boston-Milwaukee series, how he went seven even with Grayson Allen playing big minutes. So Middleton is a guy who I'm super – he's super dangerous. He can hit any shot on the court. He's very he's one of those very um, – he's got those sly moves. He's able to, you know, make shots out of not much, not much space to operate. He's just mm-hmm. – he's a bucket getter. Last one before he hit our top 25. Mobley, Mobley should be higher than what he is. He should be higher than what he is. Smart at 34. I love that the national media, aka ESPN here, is, is valuing skill sets and the heart and soul aspect of, of what he brings to the Celtics team. 34, I feel like, is a little too high for him. I think he should be around that 40 range, but Mobley should be higher than 36, and he will be. He will be one of those guys who will be higher than that, a lot higher than that this time next year. I think Mobley's actually in a pretty good spot. I, I agree with you in terms of in the future. His potential is definitely there, but if you look at the guys ahead of him, um, outside of what, Marcus Smart, I think all of these guys ahead of him, LNK Cunningham, but Cade can be put in this group um, as well. All all-star plus guys, all-star caliber plus guys, so I think Evan Mobley being right outside of the cusp shows respect to him from the ESPN um, analyst that, okay, he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Definitely if he can get his offense um, 
improves, he can easily be an all-star, already all-NBA type of defender. I'm sure he'll crack that list this year, maybe be in some DPOY conversation. But, you know, I think 36 is pretty good considering who's ahead of him. Like, I, I wouldn't take full on having any of the guys ahead of him over him. Sure, sure. I, I just see that point. But this is also like a forecasting list. Like, if you believe yeah. that he's going to have this jump, why not go ahead and be bold and rank him above these sort of guys who we know what they are. We know what they are. They're good players. Like, so Wiggins at 32, I mean, that might be a big bump from the finals he had and the playoffs he had that Maverick series comes to mind. But, you know, it, it, it's tough here. And it's too bad because these guys, you're 26 and above, right? The All-Star game only takes 24 guys. And you think, oh, true, all days that close. Me, DeMar Rose, and Brandon Ingram, these guys won't be All-Stars just for on, on paper here. But it's a tough league to crack an All-Star and even tougher to make an All-NBA team as – I'm sure we're going to segue into some guys here who who are kind of perennial all-stars, perennial all-NBA guys. Yep. So now we're heading the 25 to 11 range. Austin, I'll, I'll let you take first swing at this. Who do you, who, what are your what are your gripes with this list? There's a, there's a few that stick out to me when I look at it. Well, uh, kind of big picture. It's pretty Minnesota heavy. It's pretty mm. Minnesota heavy. Three guys in the top 25. Um, at this rate, oh, they should be a championship contender, right? No, they're like in the 30 to 30 to 135 to one range, I believe. I haven't looked at the odds recently, but and at 25, that's nice. I think I think he's first team all. Everybody roots for him. Everybody wants to see him go from from good to great. Yeah. Um, if if there's anybody out there who doesn't like, if anybody out there says I don't like Anthony Edwards. They're lying. They're lying to you. Rudy Gobert at 18. Oh, man, that's tough. That's tough. And this is where we get way, way back into the Rudy Gobert. Is he good? Is he not? Is he overrated? Is he underrated? Yeah. Stat nerds or side test people. Is he better than Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell, even his teammate now, Anthony Edwards? Oh, I just, I'd rather have guys who you have to be aware of to make a bucket. These guys, who can take over stretches of quarters, stretches of games, who can swing a game. And I know that Rudy's defensive impact can swing games or all the little stuff, all the contesting shots around the rim. Oh, these shooting percentages go from 60% to 35% with him. That's pretty impactful, but he's not a guy you have to worry about at all when he has the ball. He's just not. And he's not some elite passer. He's not a guy who can go back to the basket and make a shot with full confidence confidence he's a guy who's a wild threat he's a wild threat and he's a defensive presence in the paint and that's what he is and if those two skill sets i don't think qualify enough to be a top 20 guy especially over these great scorers like like mitchell and brown it's it's hard for me to to knock that rudy gobert like i i totally get it i i want scoring but at the same time rudy gobert is a defensive system all unto himself Right. Like you saw what happened in Utah for all those years. Like they were tops of the league in terms of like points allowed and all that stuff. Like they were doing great things. And that was because of Rudy Gobert. Um, the the Timberwolves basically mortgaged the house to get Rudy Gobert because they knew that their defense was lacking, pain defense was lacking. Carl Anthony Towns isn't exactly Kemba Mutombo. So you gotta take that into consideration what he means to his team. You're totally right. 
offense isn't going to be his strong suit. It's going to be the defensive end for him, setting hard screens, going to the basket. You know, 18th, you can make what it what what you want out of it. I think he's definitely deserving to be in this range, like 20, 25 to 11 for sure. Where it's up for debate. Um, I kind of had an issue with Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards to me is a guy that will take the leap um to around all-star hovering around all NBA. When last seen, Edwards was averaging 25, 4, and 3 against a Memphis squad that was looking like a legitimate contender. Like Memphis, like for whatever people want to say about their young or whatever. They have lots of ball players on the team, lots of talent. They have John Morant, who is a top 15 talent in the NBA. Like Edwards was looking like the best player on the court for stretches, including a game one where he dropped 36. Like he has the athleticism to compete. He has the shot making to compete. And I'm sure he'll improve his three point percentage. He can defend. Like there's so much that Edwards can do, and if it's a projections list, I think that he can be. If I'm not mistaken, I had him like around that like Jimmy Butler-ish range, Trey Young. Like those are the type of people I feel like he can be at uh, that range by the end of this season, maybe even before the end of the season, just because I know how how much of a workhorse he is. By all accounts, he's a dude that's always in the gym, a guy that could work. And I think that when you think of that. I think the people that are around that range with him, 25. Um, I love Jalen Brown, but I think Edwards has the potential to be even better than him. I agree. I agree. He's not just competing with his athleticism. He is the competition with his athleticism. There, He won't find many better athletes than Anthony Edwards. And I agree. I think when you think of him and you think of forecasting what he could become, he does seem like the kind of guy who should be around the Jimmy Butler range rather than behind a guy like Jalen Brown. Who I love the guy. We love the guy. He's, yeah. he's the number two on our Celtics team, and I there aren't many guys I trade him for. I love Jalen Brown. But Anthony Edwards does have a little bit higher of a ceiling because of that athleticism because he's a little bit bigger. And I do want to touch quickly here, as you mentioned, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler's name. Him and Trey Young just swapped positions for some reason. Butler was at 16, Trey was at 17 last year. And now oh, wow. Trey's at six, 16 and Butler's at 17. I don't really understand that because of the simple fact that Butler's team mopped the floor with Trey Young's team in the playoffs. I think that has to matter. I think if it was another one of those years where Jimmy Butler reminded America just how much of an impact he has on the team of the heart on a, on like the heartbeat of a team and and how winning matters and how he can just impose his will. Not many guys can score what 46, 47 points in an elimination game in Boston. And I know Trey Young had heroics in last year's elimination game. We we should not forget about that. But Jimmy Butler is a guy who I have a lot of respect for, and and I don't want to be dismissive of Trey Young and and forget about what he did in 2021. But I thought it was weird that ESPN's whatever composite rankings of all the experts. I thought it was. I guess it was just funny that they switched spots, if you will. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if this considers playoff success as well. If that's the case, Jimmy Butler should be a top ten player. <laughs> if if his playoffs, it says Demi Butler in the playoffs, especially late in 
late in series, he's a different animal. You saw what he did in the finals when he took on the Heat. I mean, sorry, took on the Lakers in the bubble. Um, again, that Boston series that could have easily seen the Heat advance off one one Jimmy Butler miss that we all thought that was going in. Um, Jimmy Butler is a real deal. And for for number twelve on this list, my last impediment um not necessarily um a gripe more so is just like okay i understand it is Kawhi leonard um he hasn't played you know he he's been um injury injury prone injury riddled and i think that if he comes back fully healthy this list will look kind of silly he will easily be in that top 10 right maybe even top five depending on how he looks because when last seen healthy um Kawhi was top three player in the NBA I think that's fair to say yeah he was I my screen it, it says I'm frozen here although can you can you still hear me yeah I can still hear you you are frozen okay. on my screen, but no worries yeah it's just weird you know bad bad shot of me mid talking but um but yeah Kawhi I, I agree with he's he didn't play last year it seems like every other year he misses the season but when he, he does play, you're right. He's a superstar, and superstars are not ranked at the 12th spot in the league. He cannot, he's not one spot better than Carl Anthony Towns. They are in different ballparks. No disrespect to Carl Anthony Towns. Congratulations on your new mega contract. But Kawhi's a guy who, if he does play this season, he will be a superstar. Though part of me thinks, oh, this new quad quadriceps, these new quad pictures coming out where he looks like a freak, even more of a freak than he is. Part of me thinks that might not be too too good for his vertical leap. That's my old Grayson Allen take, where he I believe he lost athleticism in his years at Duke because he got too big. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, little, little seasonal, seasonal sneeze right there. But me yeah. <laughs> Kawhi will be better. It's crazy to think that we have a top five list here that features no Kawhi, no Durant, and no Braun. Yeah, let's let's get into that. That top ten to six, and then we'll get to five to one. Um, just looking at like all the names in ten to six, I'll, I'll read them off as a tutorial list. Um, these guys are deserving of being within his top ten. Devin Booker, Ja Morant, who was, I, I think he could be like right outside the top ten, but I'm not mad that he's in the top ten. Just because, like, he he he's a, a a star, almost superstar. I hesitate to say superstar, just because he hasn't quite made the the winning, the the having the winning that some of the other guys have. Um, Kevin Durant at eight, Tatum at seven, and LeBron at six. Um, Booker at ten, I feel like is pretty good. Might might put him ahead of John Morant, but just because Devin Booker was in the finals and he showed he was capable. I think that his collapse in the last two game of the games of that um, Dallas series really contributed to him being 10 instead of maybe nine. Um, I think he went like something like nine of like 36 in the, in the last two games of that series. That certainly sort of shook the notion that he was a clutch guy um, in the playoffs, even though he, he's only 25 years old. We know he's going to yeah. continue to average his 27 points per game lead Phoenix to a top seed in the West. But I think he could be a little bit higher. Um, the The real thing about this list is the Kevin Durant and LeBron James being eight and six, respectively, right in between yeah. our guy, Jason Tatum. Yeah. 
it's yeah it's i'm glad you mentioned this when you think about these three guys i actually think they got the order of this correct i do believe so mm. i i believe you go lebron tatum durant durant at at eight excuse me my notes here i have my six although i do know he's at eight Durant at eight i know it's tough right he, you know he's 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 not getting any younger. I know that's a phrase we throw out for guys who are older, although the, that phrase, if you just take it to face value, can be applied to literally everybody who's ever existed. Yeah. Right? The old, this is the oldest you've ever been, but the youngest you'll ever be, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but Durant at eight, he's a high prolific score, but he doesn't defend as well as he used to when he was younger and he's older. He misses, he just misses more time. He's, he's, he is kind of injury prone. He's got that skinny build, and I think the skinniness might be able to work when you're younger and you're more nimble, and it doesn't take as long to recover. But Tatum, you have to put Tatum over Durant because of how that series played out. He got swept. Yeah. Durant got swept, and Durant and Tatum specifically thoroughly outplayed Durant. There's no sugarcoating it. Not Durant had all Durant had awful passes, awful passes, and I know it wasn't just Tatum who was playing Durant, although. When they were matched up one on one, yes. By the way, Tatum played better. I know Al Horford got in the mix. Grant Williams got in the mix against Durant. Durant's passing is a lot worse than Tatum's passing. All right, and there's similar scores. I'll still give Durant the edge in scoring, but the defense and the passing ability, I give Tatum the edge there. Now LeBron. I know he's getting up there in age. He's getting way up there in age. We're what two, two years away from potentially him being in the league at the same time as. His son, Bronny, Bronny, I believe, will be committing to Ohio State. Oh, you're future. just throwing that out there? <laughs> I'm throwing that out there. Okay. Um, so we'll see what happens with his NBA future. But LeBron, he's a guy that if you told me I have to win one game between these three guys, I'm taking him. If I, if I need one of these three guys to lead a team in a playoff series, I'm still picking LeBron, I believe. His ceiling is as high as anybody's. I think – I think he's a guy who could still, if he needs to, be the one guy in the league who can physically go toe-to-toe with Giannis in one game. So that's – I think they got the order correct here for these three guys. Yeah, from 8-1, to one, it's it's going to be super controversial. The The players in 8-1 to one are all all-NBA candidates, um, MVP um, candidates year in and year out. It, it's going to be tough because – you can easily say Durant still be number one. People believe that Kevin Durant is the best player in the league. Um, even though I disagree with that, I, I think that's a valid argument for him to be as high as one or two. Um, again, Tatum outplayed him in the playoffs. I think a lot of people are taking that into, into account. Um, with LeBron at six, again, you can have Tatum over LeBron, especially considering production. I think that um, Tatum is bound for an MVP caliber season. He's going to be the best player on a team, even though they're not going to have email Udoka. I'm going to have to change some things around with schemes and whatnot. Tatum is still looking to be a top front runner for MVP. So LeBron six, Tatum seven, Durant eight. You could easily switch those around. Maybe have LeBron eight, um, Tatum six, Durant seven. They're, they're interchangeable because they're all in that same range in terms of production um best players in the league you know people people said lebron out in top five that's ridiculous but 
as we get into the top five, you look and see, oh, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. Um, number five, Steph Curry. Number four, Joel Embiid. Number three, Luka Doncic. Number two, Nikola Jokic. Number one, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, my issue with this is Steph Curry should not be number five. He came off a season where he was breaking three-point records. He was the all-star MVP. He was the finals MVP, won his fourth championship as the best player on the floor um, in every series that he played for the most part during that finals run. I think he still has more in the tank to go. And by the end of this year, he might be number two. I think Giannis is number one, and that is his spot for the next five years solely because he's entering his age 28 season. He's in the physical prime of his career. He's always adding to his game, his jump shot from the, from the little um, FIBA Euro. I forget the name of the tournament, but it's looking legit. He's improving every season. He's number one. And Luca at number three, I'm not mad at it because he's the MVP favorite from Vegas. Um, I just think Steph should be higher than five. I Yeah, we see we see the game of basketball in similar similar lights to Hani. I agree. Giannis is number one. He should be number one. There should be no debate. Steph should be higher than number five. I think he should definitely be over Embiid. No disrespect to Embiid because he's a scary guy to go up against. But there is something about going against Curry that is super, super scary. A guy who could pull up as a ball handler from any point on the floor with any amount of space. And also as a guy, this is why the Harden over Curry people, I will never have respect for because Harden off the ball, you have no fear whatsoever. Curry off the ball, it is mind-boggling how much attention needs to be paid, how much attention needs to be paid to him because he he doesn't lose any stamina. He's just going to hit a shot off of any screen. So Curry should be higher than five. And also goes back to my whole like logic. Like if he's a guy who people think is top 10 all the time, how can be how can he be only number five right now? He has to be higher than that. And if you want to put him over Luca. Initially, I would have thought you're crazy entering that series, but I will. I had. I would have no. I would have no qualms if he did rank him above above Luca. The Jokic at two feels high, but he's the back-to-back MVP. Yeah, he, just really it. He, he had he, this great nugget in the ESPN. He had the highest player efficiency rating of all time last season. He got better. His team had one more win than they had the previous season with their two other guys out. So. Curry's higher. Giannis at one is great. And and that's that. For sure. I think that, you know, Jokic being number two, it just makes sense because he, he averaged 31, 13, and six. Like, those are amazing numbers. Back-to-back MVP. I think most trepidation for people to put him so high is because he hasn't had the playoff success, but that's solely because his two running mates, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., haven't been there the entire season. If they come back as themselves, Denver is right there in the championship mix. That is, 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 is just facts. There's no other way to put it. He's that special of a talent. Just how, like, um, Rudy Gobert is an entire defense. Jokic is an entire offense all to himself. Same with Steph. Same with Luka. Those, these, these top five guys are their teams, their franchises, cornerstones. Without them, their franchise crumbles. And, you know, Embiid is someone who's looking for that MVP. Two years in a row, he could have won MVP, but he didn't. 
I think this is the perfect spot for him right there at number four. I just believe that Jokic is the, – the, the race is closed. I'm giving it to Jokic in terms of who's the best big man in the NBA. Luka at three again, he's MVP favorite. I think he's just deserving of being a top five. Like, how old is he, 21? No, he's 20, 23. 23, perennial all-NBA guy, an MVP candidate. And if he has a, a decent team around him, he's doing LeBron-level stuff when LeBron was in Cleveland that first stint, just taking guys with not as good talent, and he's bringing them. He's in the Western Conference Finals last year. And if it wasn't a Warriors team that has so much experience, we could have seen Dallas in the finals. I don't think that's a stretch to say. Yes. And, and before and before the, the thought of every joke was the Phoenix Suns, they were the team that was chasing history as this incredible regular regular season team. And, and guess who beat that team? That was, that was Luka Doncic. So it's a great player. I, I, I considered him as the second best player in the league for, for a long time. And I still might have him there. It's tough. It's tough because of Curry and because of Jokic, but um, it's tough. I don't want to be held accountable for that take right now, but, but yeah, I, I, I thought you made a great point about how Jokic and Curry are their offenses. I think if that, that reminds me to honey of the Keystone species idea in the ecosystem of how if you take away the keystone species, the entire ecosystem falls apart. And if you take away Jokic or Curry from those teams, they look dras- dras- drastically different and worse, even though I'm sure the Warriors would, would find a way to, to survive a bit better than the Nuggets because of how great that organization is and how stable they are there. But, but yeah, it's, we just got to appreciate how, how good the talent in this league is right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Talent pool is probably the best it's ever been. Like, we can easily have a conversation. Like, guys in the top 10 can be number one, which isn't always the case in certain years. I think Giannis is the, the best player in the NBA, but it's not like a, a landslide, like how it's been like with LeBron in certain years or Michael Jordan back when he was playing. But Giannis is going to be number one for the next five years, unless it, it's hard to because Luka is so amazing. Sorry, I don't know why ESPN is deciding to sell me ads while I'm trying to finish my podcast. Um, Luka could be number two easily, especially if he wins MVP this season. I think he takes Jokic's spot. Um, this top five, this top 100, very controversial list, but I think they got the the big the big names right. I think for the most part, the big names are in the order that they have to be. But Austin, thank you so much for joining me today on the From Downtown podcast. Anything you want to shout out that you're working on? Any any socials that you got going on? Yeah, appreciate it as always, Dahani. I know my screen it still still says I'm frozen here, which is tough, but I guarantee you my mouth is moving. Um, yeah, at Clean the Boards, uh, give that a listen. I know we don't do as many episodes; it's tougher, but we might be doing a uh, baseball one, a Mets one preview here as as the MLB playoffs are approaching. Um, Give the, the No Paul podcast a look. I was on it on Friday. I'm usually the graphics guy there. ZD9, Wild Wild Wednesdays from 10 to midnight every Wednesday. If you want to stay up for that, give, give that a listen. It's a fun time. And, and yeah, go Syracuse football. Go follow Dahani. He's a great follow. I'm at Austin underscore Barrett. Um, and, yeah, appreciate it as always, Dahani. This was fun.
Thank you so much. And taking your time out on a, on a Sunday where your Patriots are playing the Ravens right now. Well, not right now, but soon to play the Ravens. Um, what are your predictions for that game? You think the Patriots can pull it out? Before this Jacoby Myers inactive news came out, I was feeling pretty good. I know I, one of their key offensive linemen is, is out for Baltimore. Interesting things always happen when these two teams match up. So it's a pivotal game because we go to Lambeau Field next week. So ideally, we should win this game. If not, we can probably start out one and three. But I think if Bourne, I think Bourne it needs to have a good game here and Mac needs to be turnover free. And if those two things can happen, I think we can prevail today. I hope so. Um, the Ravens definitely have something to prove after that historic collapse in the fourth quarter <laughs> um, from the Dolphins. Uh, 28 points in the fourth quarter is absolutely insane. Um, so the defense might be on another level. So hopefully Max Jones and the Patriots offense could surmount that. But this isn't a football podcast. We might need to get that going, though, because I'm I'm picking up on some things in football that I want to share, even though my basketball acumen is – way higher than football i don't know i gotta start something but again thank you austin i don't want to hold you any longer you got football to watch thank you so much for joining and have a good one man you too honey thank you thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode on the from downtown podcast it was honestly super fun getting to talk to austin it's always great having him on the show i think we'll probably get him in here Maybe one more time before the NBA season starts. If not, definitely we're having him all throughout the NBA season. He's going to be a staple on this podcast. So if you guys enjoy him, then you are in for a treat because he's going to be on here. Great talking basketball with him. Next time on the From Downtown podcast, it looks like we're going to get into my NBA awards prediction that actually I had recorded already with Austin about a few weeks back. But my laptop broke. And the files were not saved to iCloud, so I lost that footage, which was annoying because that was a great conversation. But I'll give my thoughts on the NBA awards race, who I think will win it. Until next time, guys, thank you so much for watching. Please rate it five stars wherever you can. Share with family and friends. Until next time, have a good one, guys.